Hello, friends. Thank you for engaging with the homily by Pastor Chill Will from Chapel Hill. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and moves you to go deeper in your faith and enrich how you love God and love your neighbor in your day-to-day life. Just a reminder, like the scriptures and the gospels themselves, this homily was written for a particular community in a particular context and time in history. And yet, like our sacred texts, I hope these hold timeless truths about God's unconditional love and grace for our lives. We hope these words speak to you in a very meaningful way. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we were to do a poll to ask what Jesus was most famous for, what do you think would be at the top of the list? Survey says, well, that's, yeah, you're getting there. We're going to get there. Christmas, probably, his birth in Bethlehem. Easter, of course. His crucifixion and resurrection, perhaps his parables like the Good Samaritan, perhaps some of his miracles like walking on water, turning water into wine. Hopefully, at the top of the list, he would be known for his love and compassion for the outsider and those in need, which I hope shares and makes the connection for people that the miracles were not magic tricks but rather his actions are a result of his compassion and mercy. All four of our gospel accounts of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have a similar outline and flow to what they are trying to communicate about Jesus. But all four share Jesus' story in a particular way for their community and the group of people that they know will be listening and paying attention to the story about Jesus. For instance, not all of them have the Christmas story. Only Luke and Matthew share the Christmas story that we are familiar with come December. 
Some of the Gospels share some teachings and miracles, and others leave that part out. Again, for example, only Luke shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. And only the Gospel of John shares the story of Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. All four Gospels have the crucifixion and resurrection story, but not all of them tell the details of Jesus' last week and last supper the same way. I share this example often with our confirmation students when we're talking about the differences in the four Gospels. I say, imagine if we were going to tell the story of Will Rose. If you were addressing this story to a bunch of surfers, you would probably lean into that part of my story pretty hard. If you were addressing the story to a bunch of camp counselors, you would want to make sure that you highlight that that is an important part in my life and faith story. And if you were addressing my story to chefs or restaurant owners, you'd probably want to highlight my love of fried chicken. So our gospel stories about Jesus have poetic license to them to give the authors a creative freedom to share who Jesus is and why he matters. But do you know what miracle shows up in all four gospels? Survey says, feeding the 5,000, ding, 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 Joel wins. It seems like that story is at the top of the list for those who want to share the story of Jesus and to share what he was all about. Now, personally, I don't believe that stories about Jesus have to show up in all four Gospels for them to be historically accurate. But I do find it really interesting that the feeding of the 5,000 is something that all four of these communities of faith feel the need to share with their group of disciples. It seems that the early church, all of the early church, was wrestling with a universal question. Do we have enough? Do we have what it takes to take care of God's people? If we are called to look like Jesus in the world, what does that look like? Now, the context for this story in Matthew is pretty important. That first verse we read shares that, now, when Jesus heard the news of the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to go to a deserted place by himself. Jesus heard the news that John the Baptist had been executed by the state, executed by Herod. Not only was John the Baptist Jesus' cousin, and who was also preaching a similar sermon that the kingdom of heaven has come near, but this is also foreshadowing of what was going to happen to Jesus. So he needed to get away. He needed time to grieve and to reflect, be by himself. But the people, the crowds, found him. The text doesn't share if they got the news about John the Baptist or not, but they, it does share that they were in need. And so when Jesus comes back to shore, there are the people, and they are sick, and they are hungry, and they are searching for hope. The kingdom of God has come near in Jesus, and the people wanted to be a part of it. So Jesus had compassion. And so he did welcome them. He did cure them, and he gave them hope. But the daylight was running out, 
Perhaps the disciples were getting tired. It was getting late, and the disciples were looking at their watches or whatever they had, something to the effect that they are like, all right, Jesus, time to wrap this up. We're going to need to send these people away. Resources are finite. We can only do so much. Jesus, send the people on their way to fend for themselves. And so Jesus challenges them and the faith communities of all time and all places. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Matthew alludes to the Exodus story of God's people in the wilderness looking for a home, looking for something to eat. He also alludes to Jesus' last supper and the meal that we share every Sunday. They only have five loaves and a few fish. What good would that do for so many people? So Jesus takes what they have. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives. And notice, Jesus isn't the one who goes out and does the giving. Gives the food to the disciples. And they are the ones who gave them to the crowd. The day wasn't over. Time to feed everyone. And the text shares, and all ate and were filled. There were even leftovers. Hmm. Hearing Holly preach last week about the parable of the seeds and the yeast that makes bread, I made a connection that I hadn't made before in hearing these stories and kind of where they're placed in the Gospel of Matthew. There in chapter 13, Jesus teaches his parables about abstract ideas of the small and the seemingly insignificant growing and becoming something significant. But here in chapter 14, Jesus puts these parables into action. The abstract ideas and beliefs about the kingdom of God starting small and growing into something big is now becoming tangible and real and practical. When Jesus' compassion intersects with people in need, ideas and thoughts about the kingdom of God, real. Perhaps Jesus is modeling for us what communities of faith should and can be about. We have these ideas and theology around grace and mercy and love. Yeah. What happens when that intersects with real and tangible people and discovering ways to put our faith and belief to action. Pastors and theologians like to speculate what really happened at the feeding of the 5,000. We like to ask, what was this miracle all about? What really happened with this miracle? Did Jesus supernaturally multiply the bread and fish with like magical superhero powers? Or did people see Jesus and the disciples sharing bread and they decided to stop hiding their bread and perhaps they could share with others as well? Hmm. For me personally, I really don't need to explain this parable for, or this story for it to carry very deep meaning. I don't think that is what Matthew and Luke and Mark and John is trying to say. I think they're trying to communicate. In a time of scarcity and uncertainty, when we feel like we don't have enough, you have more than you think. You are enough. You have what you need 
do what God is calling you to do. I'll share with you some of the things I've been thinking about and that are occupying my own reflections and alone time and prayers. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's communities, I'm asking, do I have enough? Does Holy Trinity have enough? In our transitions and the new normal and a new school year, what will Holy Trinity look like in the weeks and months, years ahead? I'm reflecting and praying and envisioning the practical ways to embody the love of God and the love of neighbor and what that looks like for us in our context and our time in history, even when life and faith throws us curveballs. In an election year, I'm asking and wrestling with how to navigate and curate healthy conversations around politics and practical and tangible ways to meet people's basic needs of belonging, having a sense of hope. What do we want our community to embody in the world? The work of our community, just self-preservation, power and influence, popularity, or Jesus' posture towards the needs of others. Jesus' posture in response to the other and the stranger, those in need. Everyone, all institutions and churches, even movie theaters, are wrestling with scarcity and wondering if we're going to make it. And yet the reason this story of the feeding of the 5,000 has stood the test of time is the message that is important for us to hear now and always, that you are enough. You have enough. We have what we need to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. So come and eat. Then go feed. Perhaps we don't have to make faith in life so complicated. Perhaps all we need is a cup of water, a loaf of bread, Jesus will bless it, break it, give it to us, give to others. There'll be leftovers. Thank you for listening. If there is anything that stood out for you, or if you have a question, or if you want to have a conversation, you are always free to reach out and contact us. And remember, you are not alone in this journey of faith and that you are loved with a love stronger than death.